Hi guys. Okay, so picking back up where we left off last week, we were looking at the Betty Broderick case and we left off where Dan was possibly having an affair with Linda Kokenna, or he was, but he wouldn't admit it to Betty. So long story short, Betty kind of chalked it up to a midlife crisis and she also just compared it to him getting a new red Corvette which she really did get. So it was kind of just like in theme. Although her only evidence so far was a conversation that she had with Dan. Uh, when the pair flew to uh, from San Diego to New York City for a vacation, Betty said that Dan told her that he wasn't in love with her anymore and that he actually hated her. She demanded that he fire Linda, but he refused, denying the affair. So Betty kind of resigned and she was still just hoping it was a phase. But things really became hard to ignore when she tried to surprise Dan at his office for his 39th birthday. Her husband wasn't there, and the receptionist reportedly let her know that both Dan and Linda had been gone most of the day. That's when Betty decided to make what she claimed was the strongest statement short of shooting him. She threw his custom-made clothing out into the yard and set them ablaze as the children watched. And when Dan came home, she ordered him to leave, but he refused. And she later said that Dan was really just stalling while building the divorce case. Which I would definitely agree that that's the case. Um, Betty had an awful habit of taking her anger, her anger out on the children. And she even told them that she hated them on numerous occasions. Betty had a history of using her four kids as ammunition against her husband. And a few months after the Brodericks relocated to a rental property so that their core reef home could get necessary repairs, Betty believed the repairs were an excuse to push her out, especially because Dan moved back into their damaged house just a few months after they left. But he still denied having an affair with Linda Kokenham. Betty began unexpectedly dropping the kids off at their house, thinking that it would teach Dan a lesson in parenting. So Kim, the oldest, who was 15, was quoted saying, it was plain old awful. She told the Los Angeles Times that her younger siblings, Rhett and Lee, were hysterically holding on to her, crying and screaming, and asking Betty not to leave them there. And Betty simply told them, your dad's not going to get away with this. So it sounds like Betty was kind of trying to teach Dan a lesson. Um, because I know up until this point... She'd had the kids this whole time, and he was kind of living the bachelor life. Yeah. So she was trying to kind of drop the kids off, and I think she was trying to shake him up. And since she'd taken care of the kids this whole time, I think she thought that he was going to freak out. But instead, Dan kind of took her up and called her bluff, and he kept the kids after that. Doesn't surprise me. I think he kept the kids solely because he knew it would piss her off. But her strategy was kind of bad going into it. But I understand what she meant. I'm gonna drop these kids off. He's gonna get overwhelmed. He's gonna send them back to me, and he's gonna realize how much I do for him. Is what she's thinking. Right, and I 1,000% agree. And I think that he really was just trying to get at her. And I do think that she could have definitely done it differently, because oh, if you absolutely. think about it. You know, honestly, I feel like that's kind of what messed her up in the courts was the fact that she was so, like, erratic about it. Well, yeah, she drops off her kids. And in a lot of states, that's actually considered abandonment of a child. Agreed. So that legally 
was not going to work in her favor at all. Exactly. Yeah, she should have definitely just done it a little bit differently. But like we've discussed, she was so wrapped up in her anger that she wasn't really being super rational about things. Whether like Dan was kind of like a sociopath. And so he he could control his emotions a lot better. So he came out kind of looking better in the end. Um, Betty did have anger issues throughout the whole marriage. Kim, who's the eldest daughter and probably the most outspoken one, told the Los Angeles Times that her mother would constantly get mad at her father and lock him out of the house. He'd come around my window and whisper, Kim, let me in, she said. Things also frequently escalated to violence. Betty reportedly had a habit of throwing things in a fit of rage. Once she allegedly threw a stereo at Dan. Other times she'd throw frozen food. Betty was reportedly prone to violence, and the kids didn't like it much better at their father's. So Lee, one of the other daughters, dropped out of high school and was disowned by Dan, who omitted her from his will. And Kim was kicked out when she was 18 years old, and Dan eventually changed his mind and he paid for her college education. So I'm wondering if maybe that's why she ended up liking him and coming out in his favor in the end. Yeah. Um, Betty Broderick's divorce wasn't a shock to anyone. According to the Los Angeles Times, Dan Broderick's brother, Larry, stated that Betty threatened to divorce his brother a hundred times, so much that Dan just started to ignore her. Kim Broderick also said that she was dying for her dad to divorce her. Just take me with you the day you leave, was what she used to tell him. So it sounds like it was definitely a a real up and down. Oh, it was just like... I think we're going to see that consistently as the divorce proceedings happen and post-divorce and everything. I don't think that Dan takes anything that Betty says very seriously. And I think part of that is because she was always like, I'm going to divorce you. We're getting a divorce. So it's kind of one of those um, situations like the boy who called like cried wolf. He doesn't believe her because she's never actually gone through with it before. Yeah. I really do think that she, he just thought that she like was bluffing. Um, so yes, the divorce finally came, but it didn't come from Betty. Dan actually filed for divorce after Betty reportedly smashed the mirrors and spray painted the walls in the Coral Reef home. So he was living in the Coral Reef home after he basically moved them all out for supposedly renovations. And then he moved himself back in. Um, but Betty kind of felt like that was their house so she kept breaking in and like breaking stuff and stealing stuff and just being petty and the battle which went on for five years as Betty cycled through five separate lawyers quickly devolved into what's known as the worst divorce case in San Diego County as the divorce played out Betty regularly vandalized the family's coral reef home to the extent that Dan filed a restraining order which she allegedly broke she also drove through Dan's front door left numerous messages on his answering machine, and ramped up the petty by replacing his name as God in their divorce papers. By the time it was finally settled, Dan was granted sole custody of the children with no visitation rights for Betty. And he married Linda Coquena in 1989, right after the divorce was finalized. During their divorce trial, Dan Broderick had his estranged wife committed to a mental hospital. The whole situation devolved over the sale of their Coral Reef home. Betty Broderick was resistant. She wouldn't sign over her half, even though Dan had already bought 
or a different $650,000 property. He eventually went in front of a judge who signed over her portion. And a lot of people kind of wonder about this, why she was so resistant, given that she had a different home and they were getting a divorce. But I really think that it was just like the final piece that she had left because I was like their family home when they were together. So I think that's why she was so resistant about it. Yeah, that's the last thing that she has connecting her to her marriage, essentially. Because, yeah, he bought her a nice big house. And, I mean, $650,000 house in the early 90s, that's got to be, an ex- like, a huge house. But it doesn't change the fact that he's not there and the kids are not there with her. And I imagine with all that space and everything, it feels very lonely. Agreed, for sure. Um. When the home sold, Betty was reportedly so furious that she drove to Dan's new home and rammed her car through the front door. Dan claimed that Betty reached for a large butcher knife that was hidden under the front seat and when he tried to pull her out of the smashed Chevrolet. After the incident, she spent three days in the San Diego County Mental Health Hospital, but she claimed that she was never crazy until Dan made her that way just to justify the divorce. She told the psychiatrist... My emotional outbursts were only in response to Dan's calculating, hateful way of dealing with our divorce. He was hammering into me and everyone else that I was crazy. How long can you live like that? So after the divorce, Betty Broderick was receiving $9,036 a month in spousal support. But the Los Angeles Times reported that she still continued to harass her ex. She made up nicknames for Dan and his girlfriend, Linda Kokena and admitted that the messages she left on his answering machine were more and more crude. Dan reportedly took matters into his own hand, penalizing Betty for finding, with finding her each time that she alleged an infraction. Dan would dock Betty's spousal support by $100 every time that she used an obscene word. She'd lose $250 each time that she trespassed on his property, and $500 each time that she entered his home. So for the biggest infraction, which was taking their kids without his permission, quote-unquote, Dan reportedly docked Betty's support check by a 1000 She claimed that one month she racked up so many fines that Dan owed her minus, or that she owed Dan, minus 1300 But this, this didn't last for long because that's not actually legal. And a judge upped Betty's spousal support to 12500 a month, and then in the end, it was around 6100 a month. So, yeah, Dan was pretty much just, like, playing with her, taking away oh, all her absolutely. spousal support. And that just goes back into that mental, emotional abuse that yeah. he's doing. He, for him, at this point, Betty's reactions are funny. I think so. I really do think that he probably thought it was funny. I mean, everything's funny until it gets real, right? Yep. Um, so she had threatened her ex-husband's life in the past, and she told her children that she would kill their father numerous times. Linda Kokena, his girlfriend, was afraid that Betty was serious, and the couple hired undercover security guards when they got married. Linda wanted Dan Broderick to wear a bulletproof vest, but he wouldn't. On numerous occasions, Linda asked the lawyer to prepare a restraining order, but Dan wouldn't let her file them. Though Dan didn't expect that Betty would actually follow through with her threats, his ex-wife reached a breaking point after around another legal 
papers arrived at her door in November of 1989. Betty described Dan's alleged threats as the hammers as hammers in her head. So again, we go back to he didn't take her seriously, but Linda, who's a woman who knows that she scorned, was actually afraid because she she knew what she was capable of. Oh, exactly. But that's just also plays into Dan's ego. Like if somebody threatens my life, I am, regardless of who they are, I'm going to take that very seriously. Like anybody can snap at any point in time. And especially somebody that's been breaking into your house, destroying your property, you know, taking the kids without your permission, um, calling and leaving obscene like voicemails, driving a car into your living room. I mean, there are so many things that point to her being completely unhinged. And I think that Dan let his power over her, like, make him feel like he was invincible when it came to her because she was losing, you know, she lost everything. Exactly. It's like she had nothing to lose at this point. Um. So, yeah, at this point, after she got the last papers, she just couldn't ignore it. It sounds like she was literally, she just snapped. She said that she literally felt like his threats were like cameras at her head and she just wanted it to stop. So she got the papers on Friday and that Sunday she took her daughter's house key, which Kim, and drove to Dan's home in La Jolla Shores. And she crept into the bedroom that he shared with his new wife, Linda. After standing over the couple's bed, Betty shot the pair with a 38 caliber revolver. Linda, who was shot in the neck and chest, died instantly. Dan died shortly after a bullet fractured his rib and punctured his lung. Fearing that he'd call the police, Betty yanked the phone out of the wall before fleeing the scene. Betty Broderick's first trial ended in a hung jury, but she was ultimately convicted of two second-degree murders and could very well spend the rest of her life in prison. According to the San Diego Union Tribune, she still claimed to never have intended to kill her ex-husband and his new wife, but her parole has been denied for a second time in 2017. Even with all of this, Betty maintained the fact that her crimes were self-defense. The way she sees it, all she was doing was finally putting an end to Dan's alleged psychological attacks. Betty Alba blamed her ex-husband for his own murder. She said that the whole thing wouldn't have happened if Dan just went along with what she wanted in the divorce. She was quoted saying, I would have been fine. I would have had my house, my kids. I would have still worn a size six. Her trial was highly publicized, and it was the first San Diego court case to be broadcast on court TV. Actually split the local community. So according to the San Diego Tribune, she actually had a number of supporters hundreds of whom wrote to the locals' papers to voice their support. Betty's supporters were, of course, mostly women who didn't condone the murder, but sympathized with her alleged domestic situation. However, despite the support, Betty's story was riddled with contradictions. She claimed that Dan was a chronic alcoholic, but it's been reported that his autopsy didn't even show the liver damage that would be commonly linked to alcohol abuse. Betty has also alleged that it was unfair that Dan got to spend five years with another woman while she still felt married to him without the closure of final settlement. But Betty actually wasn't alone. For years, she had allegedly been seeing a man named Bradley T. Wright, who was six years younger and claimed to be her boyfriend. Wright was asleep in Betty's bed when the murders happened. 
He discovered the bodies after a friend called and told him Betty had shot her ex. He stayed by her side for years afterwards. The case made national headlines, and in 2020, Betty's story became the subject of a second season of USA Network's Dirty John, which is on Netflix. And if you haven't gotten to see it, you need to see it. It's actually really, really good. And it's one of the only ones that I've seen that's like not partial to Dan. It kind of covers like all the different angles of things. It's definitely more balanced. I would agree. And you kind of really feel her pain in that. They really show what she was going through as well. But in the end, she was convicted and she lives with a prison sentence of 32 years to life. Um, I know she is eligible for parole, but as I mentioned earlier, she's been denied um, twice. And I mean, final thoughts, I feel like I've said this to you before and I'll say it again. She chose this hill and this is the hill that she's going to die on. And, you know, she's not going to apologize and therefore she's going to continue to get denied and she'll probably die in prison. What do you think? And it's the sad part about the lack of apology is that it's not hurting Dan. It's not hurting Linda. It's hurting their four kids because you have two kids who want her to come home. And then you have two kids who are saying, you know, well, she continues to try to justify what she did instead of just offering an apology. And until she can do that, she needs to be where she is because obviously she doesn't think that murder is wrong. And I can see both sides of that coin. Agreed. You know? um, and it is one of those situations where it's like, I don't agree with what she did by any means. There were a lot of other ways that she could have handled it, but I understand why she did it. I think she felt trapped. Dan was a very high-profile person in their community, and he had a lot of community support. And while she had the support of all of her friends, you know, all of Dan's friends' wives, it's a lot different because Dan's friends were the people that really had the power because most of them were also housewives. And she didn't have, like, familial support or anything. But I do not think it was a case of self-defense. Right. No, and I 1000% agree. And I think that that's what got her was that she snatched the phone out of the wall. So that tells you, you know, she thought about this. She she didn't want him to call for help. She wanted him to die. She went to the gun range. She bought the gun months ahead of time. So, I mean, and not only that, she said she went over there to talk to them. But it's the middle of the night. You sneak in. You're standing over them sleeping with a gun. Like, that doesn't scream, I'm going to go talk to them. So, well, if I have a conversation with somebody, I don't, you know, I don't just go bring my gun. And frankly, with the, as far as the conversations go, personally, that should have been something that was done with a court mediator or something. But there's no way you wake up, like, at one in the morning and you decide I'm going to go have a conversation with them and to start this conversation I'm going to go ahead and break into their house while they're asleep and stand over their bed with the gun and I don't think you know I think Dan was the only one that was awake at that point when everything happened I don't think Linda fully knew what was going on it just is such an unfortunate situation 
And ultimately, I have some sympathy for Betty, but most of my sympathy goes to those four kids because they lost everything. She made them orphans. You know, she took their dad and then she's in prison and they don't know when she's going to be out of prison. And now her kids are grown adults. They have their own children, their own families. And it's really unfortunate that she's missing out on that. Right. And it's it seems to me like she's still in the same mindset. And that's why she hasn't gotten paroled because her kids keep saying... Well, her older kids keep saying she's not sorry. She hasn't changed. Her younger kids just think that, like you said, that they, the Sherry served her time. But at the same time, it does kind of sound like she has the same mindset because she's still refusing to apologize. She still says it's all on Dan. And he basically brought it up on himself, which tells you that she is kind of in the same mindset that she was then. I honestly don't think that she would be a threat to society. It's very clear that she had a bone to pick with Dan and Linda. And I don't think that she'd get out right now as a grandma and go on a killing spree. But I do understand from the court's point of view, she's not reformed. But as we've discussed, she also wasn't provided with any like therapy or like rehabilitation. She's just doing her time. And that's a big part of it. And I really do think it plays to the times. Um, You know, mental health talk hasn't really become, wasn't really something that people spoke about without it being a faux pas for years. And I think even back to when I was in high school, where if there were kids that were taking any sort of medication for their mental health issues, they were deemed as crazy. Um, But as we've gotten older, it's become more culturally acceptable to talk about mental health issues. But I think that she had such a big ego and Dan had such a big ego that neither one of them was ever going to address any of their problems, whether it be in marriage counseling or in individual therapy, because they don't want to come across as weak. And that's why I don't think she wants to back down on how she feels, because she doesn't want to come across as weak and she much like Dan will never admit defeat oh yeah and they were a lot more made for each other than I think anybody thinks they were and I think Betty knew that because they were just two sides of the same coin you know like they're they're very similar in the way they think so that just goes back to when people say that all the time like don't get with somebody who acts exactly like you like you have the exact same personality and I think that redeeming qualities on her own she you know she she put her husband through college um some of the things though like um just as a final thought like with the, the abuse um where she was verbally abusing the kids I have to wonder if some of that comes from the fact that she wasn't allowed to take birth control and she was constantly being made to keep having kids I mean nine miscarriages is a lot oh yeah so that Dan wanted to just like have a basketball team on his own with all those kids and I can imagine that that would be depressing and I think that she might have looked at her kids as like an anchor that was holding her back from doing what she wanted to do and ended up keeping her in that marriage because I think had she not got pregnant with Kim on their honeymoon she wouldn't have stayed in that marriage no I agree we we talked about that in the first episode where she right away wanted out and then she found out she was pregnant and then she wanted out again like a year later and found out she was pregnant for the second time and then i think after that she was just kind of resigned to it so i agree that's so sad yeah it really is so sad 
But again, it goes back to the times. I think at that point, you know, women in, in the 80s were really starting to step into the workforce and wanting to be CEOs, wanting to have upper management jobs and things like that. And Betty was so smart. I think that despite her upbringing, that's what she ultimately wanted to do was be able to care for herself. But then she got in with Dan and the situation wasn't good. And it just, it was not it goes back to it was not socially acceptable to be like, oh, I don't want kids. Everybody was having kids. Hell, it's 2022, and we I still get asked all the time, when are you having another baby? You know, that type of thing. It's kind of a pressure, societal pressure, to keep having kids. And I think she wouldn't have fit in had she not had those kids. For sure, 1,000% agree. So, you know, our hearts go out to the families, to the kids, um, it's really sad and we just wanted to raise a little bit of awareness to, um, domestic abuse, whether it's emotional, psychological, physical, um, it's just sad and we'll be covering more, more, um, cases that kind of deal with this and we'll get a little bit more in depth. Uh, we're really excited. We're going to cover Gabby Petito next week and we've both been following it. I know that I've been, Super, super invested in the whole case. So I'm really, really excited to cover it. Um, it's super interesting. So we look forward to doing that with you guys next week. If you like the podcast, follow us and subscribe and keep an eye out for new episodes. We do have some photo shoots coming up and some more visual stuff. We definitely want to get some cameras rolling for you guys that are more visual so you can go on YouTube and, and watch us when we do these podcasts. And uh, we're really excited. Anything else? No, I just want to reiterate that. Definitely stay tuned. Um, we would love any feedback that you might want to offer. And I know we're going to be working on some marketing things and really doing a social media push as well. Um, there is a lot of really interesting cases to come and uh, we can't wait. We're very excited. Oh, yeah. And also, yeah, we do want some case suggestions, some opinions, things that we can work on. So we will have an email for you guys, hopefully soon. P.O. Box, in case you guys, you know, want to send us any letters, anything like that. So we'll be working on being a little bit more connected, okay? Thank you guys for holding on for two episodes. We hope that you guys uh, got something out of this story, enjoyed it, were entertained, had a good morning getting ready listening to this Maybe relax a little bit. Um, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.